0: The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all God, all God's, For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Amen. Thank you for this day of worship that you have set aside for your people that you have given to us as a gift and Lord we pray that you would be with us now by your spirit as we raise our voices to lift up the name of our Savior as we sing praises to you and as your word is read and proclaimed Lord we pray that you would be with us by your spirit that you would comfort us in this hour and that we would hear and receive all that you have to give to your people. And Lord, we pray now, praying as You taught Your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father,
1: who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it
0: is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our
1: debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For
0: thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the hymnal. I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Colossians, chapter 1. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Amen. Let's continue to worship now, singing hymn number 195, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. seated, and the children can come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. We're all getting seated. Jesus uh, fulfills on our behalf and on your behalf as uh, our Savior. In our catechism, you may have read the question uh, that says that Jesus is our Redeemer and that He is our Redeemer in that He is our our Prophet, our Priest, and our King. I want to ask you this morning if anybody knows what in the Bible uh, what job a priest had. Does anybody know? Where did the priest work? Go ahead, you can all say. it. where did the priest work? In the tabernacle? Yeah. In the temple? Absolutely. He served in the temple. And was his job a particularly really neat and clean one? No. No, it wasn't. It actually was pretty messy. He served God's people on behalf of God, but he also represented Uh, The people to God. And part of what he did uh, was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. Uh, You remember in the story of Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to the temple, they took a sacrifice. And it was the priest's responsibility to take that sacrifice and to offer it to the Lord on the altar. And he poured out the blood, and the people saw it. You could smell it, and you could sense death in that room. And what was that to represent? Does anybody know? What, the sacrifice? Jesus dying on His cross. Jesus dying on His cross, absolutely. In, in Matthew it says that Joseph would call Jesus, Jesus, because He would save His people from their sins. The sacrifices were given by the priests so that our sins would be forgiven. And it was to show us that there is a separation between us and God. And the only way that that separation can be bridged is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But in our confession and the catechism that you are learning, it says that Jesus is a priest. And what sacrifice did he offer?
1: Of dying on the cross.
0: That's right. He died on the cross himself. He didn't take a lamb or a bird or some other animal. He took himself. Jesus is your high priest. He offers himself. The Bible calls him a special name, that he is the spotless Lamb of God, that he went and offered himself before God as a sacrifice. And does the Bible say that God accepted his sacrifice? He absolutely did. And what's special about Jesus' sacrifice, uh, as the priests went into the temple, the high priest went year after year. But what is special about Jesus' sacrifice is that he went one time and he doesn't go again. He doesn't continually offer Himself for His people. He did it one time, once for all the sins of His people. And so you and I have what the Bible calls bold access to the throne of the grace of God because of Jesus' once for all sacrifice as His lamb. So I want to encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord as we talk about what it means that Jesus is our priest this morning. Remember, Jesus went to the cross And He offered Himself on your behalf that your sins might be forgiven. And that means that you can trust in Him and you can pray to Him. And that He speaks to you through His Word. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank You for our covenant children. I thank You for the blessing that they are in our families. And I thank You for the blessing that they are here at Lebanon. And Lord, I pray that You would confirm in their hearts and in their minds... You whom you reveal yourself to be in your word. That you are our prophet, priest, and king. You fulfill everything that is needed that we might be your people. And Lord, I pray for our covenant children that they would have a sense of this. As they learn the questions in our catechism. I pray, Lord, that you would put these truths deep in their heart. That you would cause them to ask questions as they come to mind. What does this mean? Or how does this work? That Jesus did this for me. And how is God satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus? Lord, I pray that you would inspire these questions in their hearts, that they would learn and know and cry out to you in faith. And Lord, we look to that day when each of them will. In your name, amen. Thank you. For our responsive reading this morning, uh, open your hymnal to page 800. We're going to be reading together Psalm 41. Psalm 41. I'll begin with the light portion and please respond out loud with the bold. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord him and his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desires of his foes. The Lord
1: will him on his sick bed and restore him from his bed of illness.
0: I said, O Lord, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander.
1: And then he out and it
0: All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying.
1: Him. He will never up from place
0: for Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity,
1: you will hold me and set me in forever.
0: Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and continue as we worship, singing hymn number 203, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Father in heaven, we pray to you now as your people coming before you, uh, bowed in our hearts and in our minds as we come to the God of the universe, the King who has created all things and brought everything into existence by a word. Lord, we come to you in faith, believing that you hear your people when we pray, uh, but also expecting, Lord, as it is said in the Gospels, to whom else would we go to with our prayers? Lord, we cry out to You, praying that You would be with Your people. Lord, that You would comfort us in Your Word, that You would bind up what is broken in us. Lord, we confess that we are sinful people. And we pray that You would do the work in our hearts that Your Word promises, that we would cry out to You in faith and repentance. Lord, that we would believe that You have done everything that is required in order for our names to be written in the book of life in heaven. Lord, we pray today that You would be with those who who are struggling with various trials in, in body and in soul. Lord, those who are not um, encouraged this time of year and who suffer greatly. Lord, we pray that You would be with them by Your Spirit. That You would hold them up by Your own righteous right hand. Lord, I, I do pray for those who are suffering uh, physically, and those among us who, who wait on the Lord uh, to see you move. Lord, I cry out to you for them. Lord, I do pray also for those in our midst who are struggling spiritually and emotionally, not just because of this time of year, but because of the, the path and the life that you have given them. Lord, we confess that because of our own sins, life in this world is sometimes difficult, and we cry out to you to be near to us. And Lord, I do pray for your work in this world, the work of the gospel that you are spreading throughout all of the world, that you do so through our obedience, our obedience in faith as we we share the good news of the gospel with our neighbors and our friends and our families, but also the work that you do through the giving of our tithes and offerings that here at Lebanon we might support your work throughout the world. And Lord, we pray for our missionaries today. As a church family, we lift them up to you. Lord, we pray that you would encourage them, give them great joy and delight as they rejoice to know that their names are written in heaven and as they proclaim the good news of the gospel in many ways that you give them skill and ability. We pray for great wisdom for them. We pray for encouragement for them, that they would have joy in their work and that you would bless their families, that they would appreciate the partnership in the gospel that they have with one another and that they would love the place that You have put them in and serve You with all honor and all encouragement as they look to You to provide. Lord, we thank You for this time to pray. We thank You that You are our great High Priest who hears us and that it is because of the blood of Jesus that our prayers are heard. In Your name, Amen. (laughs) we <laughs> your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 41 to 52. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. This is the Word of the Lord. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind him in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, "'Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously.' And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The grass withers and the flower fades But the Word of our God abides forever. This morning's sermon is entitled, The Lord in His Holy Temple. This is the last bit of Luke chapter 2 that we read this morning. And as the Lord chose to give us this passage in the Scriptures, so closely related to Jesus being born at the beginning of chapter 2, and then Jesus being presented at the temple that we looked at on Christmas Eve evening, and then this morning... The Lord Jesus, as a boy, the boy Jesus, as He's called in this passage, is in the temple. We want to look at this passage this morning as we consider the Christmas story, not away from it, but absolutely related to it. The Lord is in His temple. And as I spoke with the children this morning, and as we talked about Jesus being our high priest, I wanted to read to you just the question and the answer from our own uh, shorter catechism about what it means that the Lord Jesus served as a priest before we consider our text. I think it's helpful and important not to see uh, this part of the Christmas story as a, as a romantic part of the story, but an actual part of the story that the Lord Jesus chose to give us about Himself. We've said that Jesus came as our Redeemer to be our prophet, our priest, and our king. And so the question that we're going to look at this morning, question number 25... How does Christ execute the office of a priest? And the answer says, Christ executed the office of a priest in His once offering up Himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice and reconcile us to God and in making continual intercession for us. As we have already said, the work of a priest was not easy and it also was not very clean. It was not very neat. It was not always tidy either. And even though it was absolutely an honor to serve as a priest of God's people and to represent God's people to Him in service and in worship, it absolutely was a difficult job and it was one that was held with great fear. Hear these words from Joel. This is Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 17. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? It is because of words like this in Joel that Jesus came as our high priest, as our faithful high priest who would serve before the Lord and honor Him. It is because of our lack of covenant love and faithfulness that Jesus came. And the priest represented the anguish In the hearts and the souls of God's people, who because of our sin are separated from God. And it was why Jesus came. It was why he came to serve us, to be put in a lowly body, to be born in a lowly stable, and to walk in this world, this world that you and I live in. And this morning, I hope that our hearts can be encouraged as we see the Lord Jesus as a little boy, knowing who he was, he knew exactly who he was and doing the work that God had given him to do. I want to look at this passage of Scripture, see the son missing, the son found, and then the son at work. And then I want to ask a question, why does any of this matter? Number one, the son missing in verses 41 to 45. It was their custom as a family, we read, it was their custom as a family to go. They were God-fearing, God-practicing Jews. They knew they were to be in Jerusalem at, the, at this time. And so they went. And it was Jesus' habit to go along with His parents. As they had each year, they packed up and went to Jerusalem for the feast. Likely, along the trip home, after everything had been done, all their preparations were finished. As they celebrated the feast, the entire family, they would have traveled in a large group, not just Joseph and Mary and Jesus. They would have been with other relatives as well. And all of their preparations had been done. And so everybody packed up and left. This was not a frenzy. It wasn't like they left late. It was the normal way they traveled. And likely, Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph. And Joseph thought Jesus must be with Mary. They were probably interacting with other family members. Surely He's among the group. This would have been a very large group with a lot of of possessions they had taken with them to make preparation for the worship, but also to have a place to stay. It wasn't negligence at all. We shouldn't be down on Mary and Joseph. How could you lose the Savior of the world? You went to Passover after all. Jesus was entering the in-between stage as a young Jewish boy where he was transitioning from being a Jewish son and being a child to being a son of the covenant himself. They entrusted to him certain responsibilities. He could travel back with other family members. It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. This wasn't a big thing. The parents search, as we read in verses 41-45, to they search frantically. They don't know where Jesus is. They're checking with aunts and uncles and relatives. Where is He? Is He with you? Well, no, I actually don't remember the last time I saw Him. And the text moves really quickly to their day-long trip back to Jerusalem because the Son is missing. In verses 46-48, to the Son is found. After the third day of searching for Jesus, they find Him in the temple of all places. And He's with the teachers of the law. He's listening to them. And He's asking very deep and insightful questions that reveal a knowledge of the Scriptures that even they didn't have. And this morning as I listened to Jason teaching in Acts, it dawned on me as I read through back in Acts chapter 7. Jason was teaching much later in Acts. Acts. And Paul was giving a witness and a testimony to what God had done in his heart. And he was telling the people. They were upset with him. And he was telling the people, I learned from one of the premier teachers of God's law. And I was zealous after the law. As I thought about that, and I thought about these people that Jesus was sitting with, what was the testimony of the people as they heard Jesus speak and heard Him ask questions? They said, He speaks and teaches as one who has authority, not like any teacher we have ever heard. Even preachers can wonder at God. Even people who are supposed to know God's Word. And we should hold it with great humility because what was said about Paul, even after he was raised and taught by Gamaliel and he learned the laws of God, it wasn't until after his experience on the road to Damascus that God filled him with His Holy Spirit. When Ananias laid his hands on him, And what I think we can hear and take away from that is that simply reading the Bible or being at church or being a teacher does not exempt us from personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We absolutely do have a responsibility to look to Him in faith and to be filled with His Spirit and to ask Him to do that. That we would hear and understand and believe the Gospel and sing praise to Him and worship Him alone. It is by His priestly work that we stand before Him at all. It says that all who heard Him were amazed at His understanding and His answers in verse 47. In verse 40, it says that He grew and became strong and filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon Him. This was a blessed family to say the least. The favor of God was on Mary. An angel visited Mary. An angel visited Joseph. And here the favor of God rests on this little boy, this 12-year-old boy, He was in the temple talking with the priests. That was not the place for little children. He was not to be with the scribes. Little children at that time in their culture were to be seen and not heard. It wasn't a joyful thing to hear sounds or questions. Don't bother the teachers. You remember the the disciples told the little children. And what did He tell them? Unless you have faith like one of these, uh, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and let the little children come to me. Jesus understood from a very young age exactly who He was and what His kingdom would be like. Joseph and Mary's response to Jesus is interesting. Can you imagine being these parents? In Luke chapter 2, verse 33, and His father and mother marveled at what was said about Him, what they heard people saying. Remember, Mary didn't say much after she heard the message from the angel. It said that she kept all these things and treasured them up in her heart. And she did praise the Lord. And she looked to him in faith. In verse 48, they were astonished. This isn't a super spiritual thing that they were astonished. It's just what you and I would experience if we search for one of our children for three days and then find them at church. Is this inconsistent with their knowledge of who Jesus was? Had they forgotten over the last 12 years who He was? No, absolutely not. Should you and I fault Mary and Joseph for being floored at finding Jesus In the temple. No, not at all. Mary's words, Son, why have you treated us this way? Why did you do this to us? In the ESV, it says, Behold, she uses the word behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And you see the family language here. Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus to be their son. Your father and I, your father. They have taken Jesus to be theirs. They love Him. They care for Him. They're concerned about His well-being and His body. Where are you, Son? Why did you do this to us? We were in great distress. This word, distress, is a very strong word. It's an over-the-top word indicating pain and suffering. We were really worried. Have you ever had to search for one of your children? You know what Mary is saying. How your heart aches. Where are they? What happened to them? Who has gotten to them? Where... Where must they be? So first, the son missing. Secondly, the son found. And lastly, the son at work in verses 49 to 52. Jesus responds to his parents, this 12-year-old boy, with a question in verse 49. Why were you searching for me? Why were you looking all these other places? And humanly speaking, you could expect a very serious response from Joseph and Mary. Who are you to ask us a question, Jesus? Uh, We're your parents. We absolutely were searching for you. We wanted to know where you were. And you wouldn't give it a second thought if they had responded very firmly with Jesus. You do need to understand the order of our household, Jesus. You wouldn't give it a second thought. But the question that Jesus is asking is a bit loaded. It's not just that it came from a 12-year-old boy, though they can be very inquisitive, as many of you know. It's because it sets the stage for a very significant divine response that ends up being one of the things that Mary does treasure up in her heart. She doesn't, at least in what's recorded here, she doesn't immediately respond. Joseph doesn't respond. And in Luke chapter 24, verse 5, I think this question that Jesus asks echoes from Luke chapter 2 to Luke 24. When two people were asked, why do you search for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Why do you search for Him? Why are you searching for me, Mom and Dad? Didn't you know I would be here? And He told them. And I don't think this is disrespectful at all. Remember, Jesus lived a perfect life. He did not sin. When He told them, He looked them in the eye. This 12-year-old boy. I must be about my, my father's business. You are my parents and I honor you and I love you. But I was sent here to do a work that the Heavenly Father gave me. And I must do it. It's the work that He gave me and I'm burdened to do it. Jesus' question, clearly they didn't know. They didn't know that He was there. They didn't expect Him to be there. And maybe they didn't believe just yet that this work, this priestly work that Jesus would do, they didn't believe that it had started yet. They didn't understand in verse 50. And we get a glimpse of Jesus' maturity and His sense of self-awareness that He was indeed the Son of God and must be doing the will of the Father. And note the word Father here. Jesus had just been addressed by Mary, His mother, as son. This is deeply personal for her. This woman who has treasured up things in her heart. And yet we see here at the end of this passage, Jesus' submission as a son. He wasn't belligerent. He didn't make a show of Joseph and Mary. He didn't try to upstage them before the scribes and the Pharisees or anybody else who happened to be in the temple courts that day. He obeyed Mary and Joseph. It's another aspect that we see of the glory of Jesus being laid aside. So I want to ask you, having seen the Son missing and the Son found and the Son being at work, why does any of this matter? And why look at this passage of Scripture this morning? And I want to give you, I think, at least three reasons. Number one, the Lord Jesus is at work. He is at work. He is building His kingdom. As we have looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, kingdom, life, in a fallen world, this is not just something to encourage our hearts while we go through this life, hoping that in some way we can be encouraged that something is happening that is significant that will outlast us. That is not the hope of the church. The hope of the church is that the Lord Jesus is building His kingdom. He is at work. He is doing the work that his Father sent him to do. He accomplished everything on the cross that he needed to do. And when he rose from the grave, right before he died, he said, It is finished. And that means there is nothing else to do, that work is done. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father, building his kingdom. And what a glorious encouragement it is that he builds his kingdom through people like you and me. So, why does it matter? Because he is at work. And secondly, because He is at work in your life. I hope that you find great encouragement in this. That this little boy who we have celebrated and attempted to glorify and magnify in this Advent season and in all of our worship services and in many ways, Christmas caroling, being together, the love gift program, everything that the Lord has given us to do to magnify Jesus, to hold Him up and to worship Him but also to remember as God's people that the Lord Jesus works in our life. He's with you every day. He's with you by His Spirit, in His Word, as He communicates to you, as He teaches you what it means to be a disciple of His, a beloved son or daughter of the living God. Be encouraged, God's people, that the Lord Jesus is at work in your life. He's at work in the ordinary things. He's at work in your worship. He's at work even in the duties and the tasks that He gives you to do. Whatever your job is, He is at work in that. To glorify Himself. To bring glory to Himself. And for you to see Him as He is, offered up to us as the Savior. The perfect Lamb of God. The One who takes away our sins. He's at work in your life. Don't get up tomorrow thinking, I'm left to myself. I've got to figure it out. He is with you. He is with you at night. In dark times, He is with you during the day. In the beautiful times, He never leaves His people. He is with you by His Spirit. I want to read some words to you from the book of Hebrews. As we think about this work that Jesus has done and the work that He's doing now. This is Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with the better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. The Lord Jesus is absolutely at work calling people to himself. And what we see in this passage this morning, is that you and I are called to have faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe that the work that the priests did before the Lord was meant to be a picture of what Jesus came to do. The service of worship that He came to perform. And that our response isn't to look at it and to smile, or to be only to be thankful. We are to cry out to the Lord in faith. Lord, give me the faith to believe that what Jesus did truly has satisfied Your glory and Your holiness on my behalf. That there isn't something else I have to do. I can actually cease from my striving and my working and my trying hard to be lovely to You. And hoping that You will accept me. Lord, help me to rest, even on this Sabbath day. Lord, help me to rest and believe, by faith, that everything that Jesus did was for me. And that it covers all my sins. And lastly, a word and maybe a bit of a burden... To our young people. And I hope that you'll hear me and, and listen to me. As one who was a young man once. Who heard the gospel preached. And heard someone say. Who will go and serve the Lord? Who will go and preach the gospel? Dear young people. And anybody else. You don't have to be young. It, it isn't fallen lost on me. That in this passage. Jesus the Bible says was 12 years old. Dear young people. Who Who do you know? Maybe the Lord would call you to serve Him. To preach the Gospel. To be a faithful elder or a deacon. To be a faithful Sunday school teacher. Or someone who will go and work as a missionary across the world. That the words in the Psalms might be fulfilled. Let the nations be glad. Let the peoples rejoice. And I want to say thank you to those of you who teach our young people. In our Sunday schools. In our catechism classes. Who watch over them in the nurseries and other places, who watch over our children and teach them the doctrines of our holy religion. And may you young people look to the Lord, even at this day, not to say, well, one day maybe I'll serve the Lord. Maybe the Lord is calling you, and if you hear His voice calling to you, answer Him by faith. Look to Him, and may we give you all encouragement and instruction in His Word. Who knows, He may call you to serve Him, and to be before Him in righteousness and holiness. And I want to end with these words from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, And let our bodies be washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This was written in the book of Hebrews because the people expected that the time when the king would come again was very soon. And may your hearts be stirred, dear people of God, to remember that the Lord is in His temple. He is doing the work that He was sent to do. That He is working in your life. And that He is calling you to love Him and to serve Him. And to walk before Him in faithfulness wherever He has placed you. And in whatever place He has placed you. To the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the work and the blood of Jesus. That Jesus came and lived a sinless life on our behalf. And Lord, that He offered up Himself as the perfect, spotless Lamb of God with no blemish. To think about living an entire life and not sinning once is beyond our imagination. When we can't go from one second to the next. Lord, we thank You for Your work and Your boldness on our behalf. And Lord, we thank You for the entrance into the throne room of heaven that You opened for us through Your own body. Lord, I do pray for Your people that You would give us faith. And Lord, I do pray for our young people that they would be burdened to serve the Lord and to walk before Him in fear and holiness. Lord, I thank You for them. And Lord, I do pray, who knows, You may call from among our number here some to go serve You for the sake of the Gospel specifically devoted to gospel ministry. Lord, may we be glad and rejoice that You would do this among us and be humbled to know that You fill us all with Your Spirit and You call all of us to walk before You. Lord, we thank You for this day of worship and we praise Your name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 208, O Come All Ye Faithful. take an offering to the glory of God. Thank you for the opportunity another Sunday to to give our tithes and our offerings. Lord, we pray that we would do so in humility and love to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would use our tithes and offerings as this sacrifice of obedience to you. Lord, we pray that you would use it for the sake of the spread of the gospel throughout the world. Lord, we pray that you would uh, use it to comfort people, that the gospel would be spread, that they would uh, hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and cry out to you in faith and repentance, that their names might be written in heaven. Lord, we thank you for our participation in the gospel through giving in your name. Amen. Just before the benediction, I wanted to mention to you uh, that I had a brief phone call with Miss Gay Campbell on Thursday. And she asked me to express to her church family her sincere thanks and appreciation for all the cards and visits and phone calls. She feels truly blessed uh, by her church family. And she wanted me to share that with you and uh, hope that it would be an encouragement to you. And also, just a reminder, no evening activities tonight at 6 as normal. Um, receive the benediction of our Lord. This is from Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Amen.